0: here today. Would you welcome them? Can you hear? Oh, look at that. Well, it's sure nice to be here. Thanks, Pastor Betty. Nice to see you, Mike and Betty. And everyone who's here, I've been looking forward to to being here. It's kind of like coming home as far as I'm concerned. Amen. Uh, See the faces that I know. And most of you are Mike. so <laughs> it's great. Uh, my wife's not able to be here with us today. Um, she has 50 some students that she teaches music to and, and there's not a recorded case of COVID in Cumberland County at all. And But she's just a little nervous and a little traveling around the provinces with me in these moments, so she's kind of been staying home. She was planning to come and she really wanted to but then in the last minute she said, well, there hasn't been a case yet in the school, there hasn't been a case in Oxford or Amherst or Spring Hill, so we're just kind of doing our part of watching the world go by, I guess. Well, it's nice to be here today, and today's a special day. Uh, there's a pastoral change happening, but not really. Uh, Mike <laughs> is retired, congratulations, I envy you. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sitting and doing such, but I do, uh, I, do I think highly do... Of all your service, and, and uh, I know that life is changing a little bit in a good way. I know, I I know but you know, <laughs> I'm going to say it anyway, Mike, and, and then put all the pressure on Betty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, in a little she bit, she does the same thing. She does the same thing. You yeah. yeah. in a little bit, we're going to have a time of prayer, yeah. Pastor Betty, for you in this yes. uh, in this new component. It's not a new installation, but a new component. Right. A bit of a change. But in the meantime, can I speak to you about the Word of God? Amen. Would that be all right? Yes. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to the Gospel of Acts? <laughs> Did you ever hear that in the sense of the Gospel? You know what Gospel means? Good news. Good news. The good news of the book of Acts. And someone said this is called the Acts of the Apostles, but it should really be called what? Acts of the Holy Spirit. Acts of the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, we're going to look at the Acts of the Holy Spirit through Acts chapter 10. And we're going to start reading about verse 23 and go down to verse 29. Acts chapter 10, beginning to read verse 23. My Bible says this. Then Peter invited the men into the house, to be his guests. The next day Peter started out with them and some of the brothers from Joppa went along. The following day he arrived at Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said, I'm only a man myself. Talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. Now... May I ask why you sent for me. Let's stop there. Let's pray. Our Father, we're thankful, Lord, <clears throat> for the opportunity that we have to gather around your throne. Yes. yes. Our Father, we have come to meet specifically with you. Yes. Yes, Lord. Our Father, we recognize friends and family and loved ones. We recognize, Father, that there's the bond of community that happens here and within these walls and within these people who gather. But, Father, our primary purpose is to meet with you. It's important to us that, Lord, that you would draw us from our daily lives and and from the activities and the cares and the worries of all that is. And, and, Father, help us to find ourselves. Help us to recognize that we, we are here before your throne. Father, as we were singing, Lord, your presence, so real, so yes, rich, so yes, powerful. Yes, Father, help us to continue in that state of grace and in that, that state of blessing that we would find ourselves looking intently into your face. Amen, amen. Father, help us to hear with our ears the word that your Holy Spirit would speak into our lives and into our life situation. Yes, Lord. Father, you know what we need. And so, Lord, I ask that you would lead us and guide us in all the things, Father, that we are about. Father, very humbly, but, Lord, very sincerely, I ask today that no word would come from this mouth except it be according to your will. Amen. Father, we we don't want to hear human wisdom, philosophy, or eclectic thought, but, Father, we just desire to know, thus saith the Lord. Yes. And so, Father, whatever that means for each one of us, we humbly ask, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Please. Amen. So, Father, guide us, lead us, show us your truth. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. 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 Well, we live in different times, don't we? You know, I was thinking coming in wearing a mask, you know, masks and and uh, people wearing the big sunglasses. I have a friend who has a World War One gas mask. <laughs> Wears it everywhere he goes, you know. He's got the thing goes right over his head and he's got the big beak and the two ventilators here and the two little glass panels and people look at him strange. And, but you know, I, I, I went into uh, the gas station just outside of Oxford there, the old uh, Wentworth Highway, and I forgot my mask and you should see seeing the glares i got going in there oh my soul it just almost thought they were saying bad things about me behind those masks but you know i've noticed with masks you can't tell if the person's smiling that's right you can't tell if they're laughing at your jokes you know you can't tell if they're getting any teeth going at all you know you can leave your teeth home and not even worry about it again <laughs> you know so maybe there's some benefits to this and you know i then then people wear the other masks now that the full ones you know they they're always getting new ones and so they were the full ones and they then they got the dark glasses on and you can't even look at their eyes, they could be sleeping while you're talking. No one would know. You know, we this is a strange time we live in. That's right. I was coming across the bridge, which is why I was late, and there was a one of those folks from away was there and they didn't have their paper and we were we we must have been 15, 20 minutes, and I was chief and at the bed looking at my clock and thinking, Oh my soul, you folks from away what's a you? It's a different day that we live in. And so I I wondered to myself, what is the Christian response to all of this? What does it mean for you to be a follower of Jesus Christ in a time of uncertainty and all that? And and I was thinking of, I think it's in in Luke chapter 19. And uh, Mike, don't correct me if I'm wrong, but you can correct me afterwards. I think in Luke chapter 19, Jesus said the signs of the times. You know, so I was sitting out in the veranda. I ran in front of our house, and the kids bought me a swing because they think I'm old. And so I was sitting on the swing, and I was swinging back and forth, and, and there was a chill in the air. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was a little cool. And, uh, and I thought, I was kind of praying to read my Bible and drinking my coffee this one morning, and, and it was kind of cool, and I, th- I thought, oh, there's fall is coming. And I thought to myself, I, I wonder if this is what it feels like. As times change, as culture changes, as, as the spiritual dimensions, you know, begin to, to click into gear and everything happens. No, I'm not saying that it is. I'm just saying. I wonder if this what it meant, is what Jesus meant mm. when he said, you know, you can tell yeah. that when a branch puts forth new growth, spring is coming. Right. You, you can tell when times warm up or cool down, it's time to be at the potatoes. You can tell that as the frost comes on, you better really get out the potatoes. When it starts raining, you better get your friends out with all their trucks to pull you in. You can tell. And so I'm thinking to myself these days, what does it mean then to be a follower of Jesus Christ, even as times might change? Well, you know, I came across this passage some time ago, and it it, it it struck me funny. Uh, Peter and Cornelius. So as we are reading here, notice I want to give you some background of this. Uh, uh, Cornelius, he was a Roman centurion in what is known, this is verse one of chapter 10, you can follow along. He was a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment.
1: And he and all of
0: his family were devout and God-fearing. Now not only that, I want you to notice what describes him, he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. And one day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send a Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel spoke to him, he had gone. Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of the attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them off to job. Well, this is, this is Cornelius. Now, let's, let's, let's examine this. We're going to go through an examination of Cornelius, an examination of Peter. Then we're going to go through a little bit of an examination of what they were together. And then we're going to draw some conclusions from that. So we should only be able to, 1 o'clock by the time we leave. So no, I'm just giving you a heads up. Now we find five things that characterize Cornelius. The first thing was that he and all his family were devout and God-fearing. The second thing was that he gave generously to those in need. The third thing was that he was a prayer. He was a person of prayer, who believed in prayer, who practiced prayer. Amen. The fourth thing is that he was found righteous in the eyes of God, and so God spoke to him. Now, one thing I, I haven't found just yet is if this happened on a regular basis, that, that God visited Cornelius. You know, and I, and I was wondering, well, maybe maybe what's written here is, is is. It's either one of two things, either this, either God visited Cornelius quite often and and they had this kind of relationship that God would say to Cornelius, you know, because he was a giver, he was a prayer, and he was devout. I mean, that's possible. And so as, as God would show up, and God would save you in Cornelius, you know, there's a family over in such and such a place that, that maybe you could send some dollars that way. Maybe, or maybe there's a family who's, who's having some trouble with hospital bills, you could send some dollars that way because he gave generously. So why? How did he determine this? Where did this come from? Maybe, i am just reading, it doesn't say this, I'll read between the lines and I'll say, maybe, maybe he had this kind of deep relationship with God that God could trust him. You ever think of that? Maybe he had this deep relationship with God that God could put this burden on his heart and have confidence. Cornelius is the guy that I'm going to trust with money. You know, God doesn't trust us all with money. That's right. That's a fact, by the way, right? Because he knows we can't handle it. You know, I've never won the lottery. Did you know that? Do you know why? I don't buy tickets. That's right. But I've still never won the lottery. You know, and then you say, well, that doesn't matter. But I, I, I have fear that if I ever bought a ticket, God would make me win, and then I'd be all embarrassed. And I'd say, well, that, you know, what am I going to do now? You know, or, or that, or that maybe, maybe, maybe something would happen, and, and I don't know that I can be trusted with $55 million, whatever it is. But Cornelius was like that. Cornelius, God could trust the fifth thing that we find there was, God was he was obedient to what God asked him immediately. That's what verse says. You notice that in verse 8? It says, uh, as, soon he, he, as soon as the angel left, I guess it's verse 7, as soon as he was gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants, and he told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Okay, so, so I was thinking about this, you know, I'm thinking to myself, okay. Uh, now, who do you know, who do we know, that if God spoke into your life something like this, and they said, you know, they said, you need to send to uh, uh, McTagan, uh Nova Scotia. And down there in Matagan, Nova Scotia, there's a, there's a little house, it's a great house, and the guy who lives there, he's a tanner, or or maybe he's, he uh, he he saws lumber for, for lobster traps and his name is such and such and there's a guy staying there. He's just staying there, not living there, but he's staying there for the next couple of days, and you need to send somebody today to go get him. How, how many of us would do that? How many of us, you know, would, would would all of a sudden take on the challenge of what God has laid directly on your heart and you'd launch into it and you just you just do it? Have you ever maybe maybe you've done it anyway? Maybe you do it when God says, you know, you need. In the middle of the night, God wakes you up at three o'clock in the morning, and He says to you, "You need to call so and so," and He doesn't say why. Just send for him. And you think it's three o'clock in the morning. Lord, really? It's three o'clock in the morning, and you debate and you wonder and all. That. But you see, this speaks to something of Cornelius's life, of how he acted. Hold on to that. Hold on to that. You know, I, I'm i thinking of, of he and his whole family. Wouldn't they be the type of people you would want to be a part of your church? Generous givers? Uh, prayers, always at prayer meeting. Amen. Uh, always listening for God? Always uh, doing what God asks them? Isn't that the type of person you... Say, you know what, that, that's who we all aspire to be. Cornelius was a follower of God. Well, let's, let's look at Peter. I mean, we know Peter. Peter's that guy who always had his, his uh, foot in his mouth, who was always saying things. He was the guy who said to Jesus, you know, I'll never forsake you. Doesn't matter, the whole world runs away. I'm with you, Lord. I'm free. I'm here for the long haul. It doesn't matter. And it wasn't just a few hours, not days, but a few hours. He says, I don't know who that guy is. And they swore. My soul, he's not good, Nazarene. He swore. <laughs> he says, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know this man. And It was just a little girl that came to him and said, aren't you one of his? And they're like, get away from me, you child. You know? but this is Peter. This is the same Peter that walked with Jesus on the seashore. And Jesus said to him three times, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. He, he was the one who had all these... Interactions with Christ because he was always in trouble. He was one who walked on the water, Well, he did get out of the boat, no one else did. Might be some, but he did get out of the boat, you know, after a while. This is Peter. So in chapter ten, it gives us it gives us a view not only of Cornelius, and I, I find this really interesting why it does this. Because we know who Peter is. That's right. Right? So there's information being added into this for a reason. So, so look at this. It says, uh, it's, let's start about verse 9, about Peter's vision there. It says, about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. Okay, so he's a prayer. He became hungry and wanted something to eat and, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. <coughs> he saw heaven opened. It's something like a large sheep being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all manners, all kinds of, Four-footed animals as well as reptiles of, of the earth and birds of the air. And then a voice told him, get out, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, surely not, Lord. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. And immediately the sheep was taken back to heaven. So verse 17, while Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up, go downstairs. Don't hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. That's an important component right there. So Peter is having this, this deep spiritual moment with God, having this vision, you know, and he, he's seeing all these things come down in this sheet, and, and sermons have been built on this vision and, and preaching and preach hundreds, maybe thousands of sermons on this, you know, but about the what this means for the for, for we who are Gentiles. This was our opening moment. We're in that sheet. We're all those who. Who the Jews said were unclean we're all those, even as, even as Peter went to Cornelius' house and he said you know it's against our law for me even to be here, this is our opening moment and sermons have been preached about this That's right. but not this one because this is, this is important to understand that, that Peter's in the midst of a deep spiritual moment and God says to him, he speaks into his life, he says okay now Peter I want you to understand something There's three guys at the gate looking for you and you are to go with them. That's what he said. So, verse 21. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? Oh, okay, back up just a minute. God just told him why they were there. Did you catch that? God said to him, he said, there's three guys, they're at the gate, you know, you're to go down and you're to go with them. So he shows up, Peter goes down there, and all this is ringing in his his mind. Now, if you or I were Peter, we would act completely different. We'd say, okay, God has said I'm to go with you guys, let's get this show on the road, get the horses ready, saddle up, because God has said he's on the move, we are got to go. What did Peter do? What do you want? Why are you here? What's going on? It speaks volumes to us. The men replied, verse 22, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He's a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel came to him and told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Okay, remember that. An angel told him that you were to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. And Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, that's where we started off. They, they went off looking there. So, so let's, let's examine Peter a little bit. We kind of kind of did, but let's just touch on the high points again. Peter goes up to pray as the men of Caesarea are approaching the city, the time frame. The men of Caesarea are approaching the city. They're almost at the gate. Okay, so, so this is happening. The, the gears are beginning to match now because this is really cool how God works, right? We think, oh, God does this, then does this, then does this, but this is all happening at the same time. So as Peter is going up the steps to pray, the men are here. And God's saying, okay, so, so these guys are almost here. Now it's time to put into gear this one. We're going we're to send this vision down to Peter. As these guys are getting close, everything's going to be ready so that when they come to the gate, Peter's going to say, hey, all right, this is great, let's go. Not why are you here. <coughs> this vision that he had happened three times. Now, Peter had a racial, religious bias. Ooh, there's a bad word in it. Yep. Well, it's true, he did. Yeah. Systemic racism. Systemic. Yeah. Through Peter, the church, now this is this is really cool. Through Peter, the church was about to be corrected. That's right. Now, now think about that for a minute. Through Peter, see the church had already begun. Jesus had already died and rose from the dead. Pentecost had happened. The church was growing. Two, three, four thousand people being added to the church daily in Jerusalem. And they were situated in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was Kansas City. Jerusalem was Lenexa. Jerusalem was the global ministry center. And they said, praise God, all the world's coming to Jerusalem. God said, well, you know, really guys, hold on a minute here. Let's let's push a little bit of a reset button. Let's fix some of the racial bias. Because this message is for all the world. For God so loved the world. world. Amen. But before this, it was for God so loved the Jews. Mm. But for God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Everlasting life. That's right. The Holy Spirit... Said to Peter, three men are looking at you, get up, go downstairs, don't hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. And Peter goes down and he says, Why have you come? What do do you want? Why are you people here? So let's let's look at the event. Let's just hold those three thoughts. We got Cornelius, we got Peter. Each had a vision, each had a point and a purpose. Let's kind of look at the event. So Peter went off to Caesarea with them. And there, there was a large gathering of people. We read about that, you know, down in verse 29. A large gathering of people. Cornelius was expecting them. He invited all his relatives and close friends. And, and Peter asked the awkward question. I, it, you know I, know, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know. What, what is it, want? Cornelius responded, A message for us to hear. Do you ever get put in a spot like that? I I get put in a spot like that all the time. All right. So so when we go down south to to do what we do down there, it's it's always we don't really build a whole lot. Sometimes we build some stuff, but not not really a whole lot. We but we do evangelism in the churches, and in, and the churches are usually house churches, and so they're they're. Um, well, some of the houses where people would be like the alcove back there, and uh, and so there'd be maybe thirty, forty people in that little alcove, and you'd be sitting at the front with your back pressed to the wall, and uh, and and sometimes I'd go there. Of course, <coughs> I'd sit in the very front pew because a lot of times that's empty, so I'd sit in the front pew beside Sheila over here, and uh <coughs> and then and I'd be praying, you know, and, and just kind of waiting on the Lord and not expecting to speak. And Osmel would be there, and he said, "Oh, by the way, it looks to me like God has given a message." To Mark, and I think, oh my son, no translator, no nothing, and so up I get, and I'm thinking, I'm sweating like no tomorrow. You know what it's like, you know, you got to stand up in front of people. You don't know, they don't know your sense of humor. They have a whole different sense of humor, let alone a whole different culture and language. And here you are, and then you begin. This is how Peter's feeling, you know. I can just imagine he said, so he gets up in front of all these people and, and Cornelius has invited everybody from around in Alberton and in Ellsdale and, and we have in take and the church is just packed, and they're, they're sitting with bated breath. You know what? What is God going to say to this person? And Peter said, not sure why I'm here, folks. <laughs> Cornelius said this. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Pressure. Cornelius was thinking Peter would be on the same same wavelength as he and, and, the, and, and, and that he and God were. Cornelius was thinking that Peter had a message from God that that was that was directly and, and specifically for the people of Caesarea. And so I I want us to look at the message that he he brought here in in the context of the situation. And we find that uh, down around verse 36. So let's start, uh, let's start here. Peter began to speak, verse 34, might as well start here. Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, and how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. And then he goes on, we are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews. And in Jerusalem, they killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen. By us, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead, he commanded us to preach to the people. And to testify that he is the one whom God anointed as judge of the living and the dead. And all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And then it says this, verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. But notice Peter's words. Notice the three points in his sermon. They are these, verse 36. Let's look at that. He says there, he says, You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. So the first point that he begins to talk about, he says, he says, okay, you know about the Old Testament. You made a Sunday school. You know about, about Moses. You know about Elijah. You know about creation. You you know about Genesis and, and all of that, you know about the judges, you know about the old Testament. you've been the Sunday school, you've heard the stories, you know about this stuff. Yeah. Know about that stuff. He goes on in verse thirty seven. He says, he says second so so his first two points are you know. You know the Old Testament. The second point is, you know the New Testament, which wasn't written yet, but he saying, you, you know what happened. You know what they're going to put into the New Testament. You know about Jesus Christ. You know, you know that, that he was born on a virgin. you, you know, you know that, he, that he went around doing good, healing the sick. You know about how he fed the 5,000. You know the stories. You heard about all of those in Sunday school. You know all that stuff. That's the second point. The third point is this. I was there. I was there. This is my witness. In other words, he's saying he's saying, okay. On the one side, you know, I was kind of like you guys. I grew up in the Nazarene Sunday School at the crossroads right here, the Western Road. And is this a doctor? Doctor. doctor yeah. I, I I I remember. I remember memorizing the the, the Thirteen Commandments. Oh, one in the New Testament, isn't it? Or two? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor. yourself. So 14, I guess that's wrong. Sorry. <laughs> I, I grew up knowing about the Old Testament and I grew up knowing about the New Testament. But then comes the third point of this. Okay, so yes, you grew up knowing this and yes, you grew up knowing this, but what now is your experience of this? Amen. You know about all this up here? But what about all of this down here? What about all of this out here? What about all of this of where your feet go and what your mouth says? You know, in John chapter 5, somewhere around verse 29, Jesus says something to this to the Pharisees. He says, you know, "You, you diligently study or search the scriptures for in them you think you will find salvation. But you do not know that they speak of me. And yet you refuse to come to me that you might have life. You see, it's not about what we know. And and this is the message that begins to spill out of Peter that God has placed in his heart because this is how it happens when God puts you on the spot and you decide, okay, I'm going to open my mouth and see what comes out. And he begins to speak. And he says, you know about this and you know about this, but what is the experience now? I want to talk about that. What's God doing in you? We are witnesses, he said, of everything God did. We were there. Okay, Peter, what was it like at the trial of Jesus? Should have, somebody should have brought that up, right? What was it like, Peter, when, when, you, uh, when you denied Christ? Somebody should have brought that up. Peter could have said, well, I'm going to tell you a story of redemption. I'm going to tell you a story of failure on the one side, the grace of God on the other. I'm going to tell you, yes, I failed in that moment, but you know what? God is great, and he picked me up again. I'm going to tell you about that. You want to tell me about that? I'll tell you about that. We can talk about your redemption. Do it at the same time. Right? Amen. Peter, tell us about, tell us about walking along the seashore. Was there guilt involved? You know, you were, you were walking there with Jesus, and Jesus right here, and Jesus looked over at you every once in a while, you know, walking along the seashore, and he paused, and he looked you right in the eye, and he said, Peter, do you love me? Was there a guilt. Was a shame, yes. There was guilt, and yes, there was shame. But he washed it all away because he said to me, "He said I still have a place for you." Feed my sheep over and over again. It's a story of redemption, and that's what Peter's talking about. We are witnesses of this. I was there. I experienced it. I walked on the water. I got out of the boat. Yes, I failed. I sank, and I looked at the storm and and everything else, you know. But I was there. This is my experience of life and death with Jesus Christ. Now, it says this. Verse forty-four. While Peter was speaking these words. So, I have to ask the question. What words? Were they the words of, you know, the Old Testament, you know, the New Testament, or while Jesus, or while Peter was speaking these words, are these the words of his experience? I tend to think probably that's when it began. While Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the Message. Now, I said all that examination of Cornelius, examination of Peter, examination of the context to say these last few thoughts. So don't don't leave just yet. I can't go. (laughs) You can't go. You gotta be escorted. Oh, you gotta be escorted. (laughs) Just keep going then. (laughs) So I said all that. Say this. Why did this happen at all? Did you ever ever read the Bible and you think, what? Why did this even happen like this? Why did God send to Cornelius? He was already saved. He was already a prayer. He was already generous. He was already having visions of God. Why did God Say to Cornelius, you go there. Why did, why did God say to Peter, Peter, I'm making preparations here? You know, I, maybe we could have done it another way. Maybe the revival could have just started out with the Gentiles and, and kind of worked inward. But why, why did this even happen like this? See, I have to ask you this question because this is important to us in the Church of the Nazarene. Mm-hmm. Now listen. Was this outpouring of the Holy Spirit even necessary? They were saved. Was Cornelia saved or not? What do you think? I don't think so. What? This means, no. you? this means no. No. Oh, you're you just want to argue, and I'm not going to. Pray. <laughs> not not in the light of Jesus, though. Okay. See, this this is this is this is a this is a powerful moment right here. Why was this even necessary? this was a turning point in the church yes ministry to the Gentiles but I'm going to suggest something more when we look at Cornelius Mike I hate to agree with you. why are we agreeing all the time Cornelius was devout he was God fearing he gave generously he was a man of prayer and all these things you could do without the Holy Spirit that's right listen to me all these things you could do without the Holy Spirit that's right Thousand, maybe millions of churches around the world can operate with administration. They can operate with with skilled uh, workers. They can operate with educated clergy. They can operate with an educated board. They can do everything that needs to be done. We can raise money. We can gather crowds. You want to gather a crowd, give away a car every week. That's right. Give everybody a ticket when they do it. You don't have to pay for it. You know, you, just, you don't have to charge it and be a lottery. Just say, hey, we're going to give a car away every week. Maybe it could be one of those little Mercedes... Bowling ball things, you know, but you know what I'm saying. I mean churches can happen without the Holy Spirit. That's right. Cornelius was happening without the Holy Spirit. That's right. See, Cornelius gives us a hint here. He said, We are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. And what Cornelius didn't understand is that being a follower of Jesus Christ was not only about knowledge and teaching, as important as they are, it, what is, a, is a most important is the presence and infilling of the Holy Spirit on the church. Amen. Jesus said in John chapter 14, 15, 16, in his high priestly prayer in chapter 17, he said, my desire is that you would be like me and we would come and make our home with you and we'd be in you and, and all of this would be happening. You would have the same relationship I have with the Father. Then the Holy Spirit would be a part of your life. That's why this is so important. That's why when, when Peter began to speak about his experience, That's right. the Holy Spirit began to move. Amen. That's important to us. Our very DNA in the church of the Nazarene began in the moving of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's happens all the time. A church can operate without the Holy Spirit. That's right. This began Acts chapter 19. Remember that? Act, everybody read Acts chapter 19 ever? Who was it? Who went, uh, who went to Ephesus? Paul? Yeah. yeah, there it is. Paul. Paul went to Ephesus. And when, it, when he went to Ephesus, there he found a group of Christians, both 12, a group of believers, he says, both 12. And he said to them, in verse, uh, verse uh, 2, he, there he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, what? What's that? Yeah. We don't know about that. And he said, you know, I can imagine Paul being perplexed. What do you mean you don't know about the Holy Spirit? Yeah. And you can see there, you know, and so Paul asked them, well, okay, were you baptized? Yeah, we're you baptized. Well, into what baptism then did you receive? And they said, well, John's baptism. Paul says, verse four, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, but Jesus' baptism is a baptism of the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. See, there's a difference. Yes. Curious, eh? So, what Cornelius to this moment in time in Acts chapter ten didn't understand is that being a follower of Jesus Christ is about the infilling of the Holy Spirit on the person. On the church. That's right. You know, I, I've been looking through the New Testament searching for an event where the Holy Spirit filled people without someone being there who had already been filled. I mean, there was Pentecost. But I'm, but I'm wondering, I wanted to find, so don't, don't say it now, what if you know of a time when the Holy Spirit really soaked in and there was no spirit anointed person already there. I'd like, to, I'd like for you to tell me later. You see, the Holy Spirit is meant to affect the lives of people at work and at home That's right. and in your church. That's right. It's almost as if the Holy Spirit in you is, is fulfilling the words of Christ about the kingdom of God being within you. Jesus said the kingdom of God cannot be seen with observation because it is within you. And wherever you go, the kingdom of God is near. And so this is the message Jesus said to, to, for the disciples when he sent them out two by two. He said, this is the message. Repent, for the kingdom of, of heaven is here. It's close. It's here. Amen. See, the message of holiness, I know that's an old term, but the message of holiness is really, really important. I am going to close with this one story, and, and I've probably already told some of you, maybe all of you, but we were, when we go down south, there's a lot of weirdness that happens. And the last time we were there, where was, uh, the, Cuba has its own style of voodoo. Okay? It's called Santa Riva. Uh, Santa And, uh, and there, it's, it's a lot like voodoo, and they do the same things, and they have the of drums, and demon, they call in the demons with the rumor drums. Demons come in from all over the place. And so, this last time we were there, there was this night, and and Osmel and I were sitting out under a big mango tree, praying before a service, and he said this to me. He said, Mark, what's your plan when you go to Hoagie and all of that? And I said, well, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. He said, where are you going to stay? And I told him we're we're staying at this one particular hotel. And then it sounded like a tarp was blowing in the wind, like in a gale, like in a hurricane. You know, like that, that big noise and all that? And uh and I, of course, I prayed with my eyes closed. I was praying with his eyes open. He said to me after we finished praying, did you see the size of that bird that came out of this tree? It sh- went like a rocket up the street. and went down through the apartment. building." that right? I thought I didn't see anything in my eyes closed. So I prayed with my eyes like any spiritual person should. Uh, but we got to that hotel. And they began the Santeria uh, mm. services at midnight every single night. There were demons screaming outside our windows every single night. The doorknobs were rattling. One of our group made the mistake of opening the door and the and it's funny, you know, how the enemy works because they, they, they look for believers who have a fracture in their soul. I, I really believe this. So this one chap opened the door and he and he had he had kind of he was still struggling. I'm not sure he should have even been with us, but <clears throat> but they, Made me take him, kind of thing, because he's, you know, he's in that place where this could really help or really hurt. So what happened was he opened the door, and this—this this is his words: this thing that he, he could kind of see but see through rose up out of the hallway, wrapped itself around, and it, forced him back onto the bed. and was was choking him. Well, the other person who was sharing the room with him happened to be a pastor, and he got up and and he was, like, "You made a mistake coming in here," and he was casting this. Demonic presence out, and eventually the thing let go of them, and something they saw the shadow fly to the window. But all night long, for, for our whole time, in the whole game was like this. But I've noticed the enemy looks for the fractured soul. That's right. We were. I, I, I told you that story because I want to tell you this one specifically because this is most important. We were. We were. It was Friday night service was long, their services normally go four hours or so and then their altar service starts and we finish those and go one or two in the morning. It was Friday night and it was a battle through the whole time, I'm telling you, it was rugged. <coughs> the enemy was dancing all around and um, and so as the service as the service began, I was sitting up at the front. The music was loud, so loud I could hardly think and I had clicks in my ears trying to get the way to pray and, and just to get ready. I was preaching that night and uh, and 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 then what would happen was the, the Cuban teams would worship first, and then Bruce would have the North American team a week go down, and then they'd start. But halfway through, these two hours of this. <clears throat> so they, she just began to play Holy, 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 very quietly on the keyboard. Nobody singing, no noise, everything down, just, oh, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. you know, just like that. And there was this sense of peace just settled over the whole place. It was wonderful. It was remarkable, just, you know, even if you just hum it. Just hum it with you, would you? Mm-hmm. 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 So it was just that kind of a feel that settled over everything. And I was saying, oh, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for this moment of peace and quiet in your presence of wonderful. And at the back, there was this ear-piercing scream and, uh, and Murray Scott was with us, he was the Attorney General for Nova Scotia, Speaker of the House, distinguished gentleman, white hair, really good looking guy. <clears throat> he was there and standing beside this lady that began to scream. She, she, it's like she dropped to the ground like a sack of potatoes, his eyes were that big, you know, at this moment. And, uh, and he kind of backed away, crossed his arms like this, well, you can imagine what would be going on, he backs away. So a sister comes up, Carolyn, and she says, you better get back there before this thing gets out of control, and so i back, I go, and Mel and I take her, we were out in the field, there's maybe 200, 250 people in the field, and, and uh, we take her to the church, because church only sat like maybe 70 or 80 people. And uh, and this, this deal, I've never seen it this bad, and she'd close her eyes, this lady, and open them up, and they'd be solid black, no whites, no peoples, no nothing. Her head would pivot just like the exorcist, almost would go right around, but the thing that set her off was when we'd start to hum holy 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 it really is a strange thing and this this it was an upper level demon and they had all kinds of spirits she had hundreds of like legion and uh, people outside said they could see these shadows darting out of the windows as we worked through how many there was and all this. but this upper level thing it wouldn't leave and it wouldn't leave and so it, but it kept pointing his finger me say you're not going to preach here we're not going to let you preach here you know, going on like that and uh and so Osmel says, you go out and start service because this is a distraction because something's gonna happen tonight. So out I go and get everybody settled back down and, we, and I begin the service and preach up the storm and have an altar call and I'm watching them. And they come running out of the church halfway through and, and, and it seems that, the, that what happened was that demon jumped out of that person jumped into the person just outside the, the window there and they came running around and that person started pointing the finger at me and saying the exact same thing in the same voice and then they got there and the demon jumped into this last person who I knew very well. This is where it gets interesting. I knew this person very, very well. She's one of her sister's translators. <clears throat> After it was all said and done, service was over and, uh, and a long time would go on. And, and, and she, was, she was out of control. And, and I remember went over to her and I, I, I put my hands on her shoulders and I prayed for her. She settled down. She came, she stood out. And I put my arms around her and I said to her, I said, Rosa, what happened? You're a Christian. And I, I was honestly perplexed. I don't understand because it's not my experience that, a, that, a, that any kind of dark entity would enter a Christian. She said, I said, you're a Christian. What happened? Is there something in your life that you've allowed this thing to get in? And she told me the story. That's what she said. She said, I didn't have a choice. This I felt it go in. It was it was like it was like a it was like a viscous oil that just kind of poured itself inside me, and it and it warmed me like a glove. Its arms went down my arms, its legs went down my legs, and it was in there. It's just her words were it was in there with me. I couldn't control my voice. I couldn't control what I was saying. The language was fairly bad, and she said well, it was kicking and screaming. I couldn't stop it, but I but I knew I was there beside it, inside. And I said. So how? Instead, she her head down. She said, well, I did something. I did something. It wasn't a terrible bad thing, I didn't think. But it was enough. You see, this is where holiness becomes so important. You know, and, and whenever we go down there and we talk about all this and, and we... we you, when you live through it, it's different than just hearing the stories. Oh, that was a good story, but I wouldn't want to be there. You're, most of you would be saved. But when you live through it, and you're there, and you recognize how much power there is in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You come back here and you think, what on earth are we doing? Yeah. I'm upset because I have to wear a mask <laughs> when half the world is struggling with the demonic what is going on in the world? You know, and, and coming back up, and, and I'm thinking there is so much power in the name of Jesus Christ, and you see the reality of the kingdom of darkness against the kingdom of God, and the power of the kingdom of God. I, I remember there's a guy standing here, not here, but down there, was here. And my first time down, and I preached this great sermon on faith. First time that I was doing it, right? Uh, the dumb Canadian that I was. And, uh, and I made a whole bunch of claims about the power of Jesus Christ. And so this guy begins to manifest the demon. Osmel walks over and said, That guy's going to, the demon's coming out in just a couple of minutes. you got to go down there and deal with it. And he walks away. Right? Now, I just preached about this, didn't have a clue about it, and I'm supposed to go down there and do something, right? So I go down and I, I don't know what to do. So I say, Well, this is what the Bible did in the Bible. I put my hand on it and said, The name of Jesus Christ. And I command you, come out of that guy. Well, that guy seized up like this, and he fell over like that. And the demon came out, and it went right over to one of the Canadians, who you know, and it came right up to him, hit him in the chest. The Canadian saw this face come in front of him, and he said, "This." He said, "I know that, that where you live, or something like that, we I come to get you." Well, that guy came over from that side of the church. He came running over to me, and he said to me, "Whatever you he said to that guy, you better be saying it to me right now." It's terrifying, but the power in the name of Jesus Christ is what's amazing. And I say all of that just to come down to this closing point. If we allow fractures into our lives, if we allow ourselves to dabble in sin and to mess up the the beauty of holiness, then we're in real danger. Now the enemy up here doesn't operate like it does down there. There's principalities and there's powers and spiritual wickedness. And there was a power of Persia, You remember, that Daniel prayed against for for all those days before the angel could get through. There's a different one down there, but there's one up here as well. And I'm gonna tell you how he operates. He operates by you calling into question your experience of holiness, your experience of sanctification. Did God really do anything for you? If God really did something for you, how come you're offended all the time and you take on a spirit of offense? You hold on to a spirit of anger and a spirit of bitterness. And all of a sudden, your great testimony that you had at one point in time now is beginning to fracture a little bit because you've got to get it cleaned up. And Jesus says this, when a spirit, Jesus said this, Jesus, our Savior, the one that we follow, said this. He said that that when a spirit is cast out of a a place, it goes around into the wilderness looking for some place to rest and not finding any, he returns back to that house that was swept and is now clean, and he finds it empty. Wait a minute, empty? Not empty? Where's the Holy Spirit in this? this means. You know what? We live in, in troubled times. And if ever there was a time for the church to be the people of God, it's today. Amen. Amen. It's today. And the Holy Spirit goes with you wherever you go. If you're on your fishing boat out there, you know, that boat's just a bobbing up and down and going on, and everybody else is sick of you to say, praise God, safe for the arms of Jesus and I can lead you to that same thing before we go down friend. or maybe you're at work on you know, a tractor and the Holy Spirit is with you Amen. and people see that you know, even in the midst of all the traumas and troubles of today they see that, that you've got something what is this thing that you have so let's go back to that question have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed well I was baptized in Big Lake Camp you might say no, there's no what ask if you received the Holy Spirit since you believe. Okay, let me tell you one more story. Can I tell you one more story? This, this is a cool story. So we, we were down there, this was the first year. This was, uh, this, we, we had been doing this now for almost 78 years, maybe. And, uh, and most of the Canadians who went down at the beginning were skeptical, right? And I'm skeptical. I mean, up, up here, we this doesn't happen like that down there. It's, we, we're different. It's a different culture, it's a different time. The, whole is, the, the enemy works in a different way, but you know, we understand that. And so, so the whole week had gone on and we had these services every night. And I was tired, this, this was the last night. Three Canadians came up, right up this aisle, right here. I was standing right down here, praying for people all night for four or five hours at a time. And uh, they came up, and one said to me, supported by two friends. This is what just like this. I'm not buying this, I'm not buying that, not one bit. And I said, okay. And then they said this, it was a she. She said this, but I want you to pray for me. I wanna see. And I said, okay, good enough. Let's put it to the test. Amen. And when I came over, there were just maybe four or five people left in the church. One was a palliative care nurse. One was an LPN. Right? This other person was right here. And I put my hand on her head, just like this. And I began to pray. And I uh, was melting over. He put his hand on her shoulder. He began to pray. <coughs> and she seized right up. And she fell right into me. I was holding her up, right? The people in the back were pushing her forward, right? So that she would do whatever. And so I, I held her up like that. And... Uh, and then, then we waited for a little while. And uh, she came back around. And, and this was my opportunity, because this doesn't happen, and I don't know about this stuff. But I said to her, I said, so what did you see? It's never happened. I, mean, I never had that experience, never known my I said, so what did you see? And she said, nothing. Didn't see it. And then she said, wait, wait, I did see something. I, I saw your prayer, and I saw Osmel's prayer. Yours was in English, and it began to swirl like this. And Osmel's began to swirl in the same way like a vortex going up to heaven. And I saw God see that prayer, and he took that prayer. It was a strange thing. It was just like 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 an offering on I said, anything else? I mean, it must have been something else. Is that all? Yeah, that's all. But she's giggling and laughing and going on. So the next day, we were leaving on the bus, and I I made a point sitting in front of her in the bus, and I turned around and said, come on. You, you must have seen something else. Really? That's it? She said, well, there was something else. But I don't know if I want to share it just yet. She said, okay, I will. And it was this. I was at Big Lake Camp. That's where I was. I, wasn't, I was no more It was at Big Lake Camp. I was sitting in front of the old dining hall. It was a baptism Sunday. Waiting to be baptized. I baptized her that summer. And she said... She was waiting for a friend. A friend never showed up, so she walked down. She had a terrible fear of water. Uh, and I know the person really well, so I was harassing her, going out, you know, what? holding her under and all this kind of stuff, you know. And uh, so we'd get out there, and she said it was identical to last last summer, baptism, you know, the baptism, you know, that we do a Big Lake Camp. And, and she said that that you you told me to go like this and go like this, and you said I baptize you in the name of Father, Son, and you dropped me under. And then when I came back up, I was in Manzanillo, and I heard this voice say, we've finished what we've begun. Amen. See, the Holy Spirit is for you. It's a, why would we live our lives without that? Amen. Amen. I don't get it. Mm. Well, let, me, let me pray for you, then we're going to pray for Pastor B. Yeah, right. and I'm going to ask the board in the end and come up. I'm going to ask the pastor. Just yet, I'm, going to, yeah. I'm going to pray for the congregation. Yes. And then I'm going to ask the board to come up and just kind of socially distance, but surround you with extended, okay? Let's pray. Our Father, we're thankful, Lord, today, for the opportunity that we have to understand and to know your presence and Father, your grace and your power. Yes, Lord.
1: And Father, Lord,
0: Father. This, this, these are your words, Father. These are the experience of the Spirit moving in the church and in your people. And Father, we we we've named ourselves the Church of the Nazarene, the Church that follows Jesus, called the Nazarene. And Father, we want all that that you have for us. And and we're asking, Father, I'm asking in the name of Jesus Christ, on behalf of these people who are here, that your Holy Spirit would surround us in authority and power and looking within our lives and and see if there is is any fractured part of our life that we have allowed sin to enter in, that we have allowed a spirit of offense, we have allowed a spirit of bitterness, we have allowed a spirit of sin, we have allowed a spirit of addiction, we have allowed a spirit that's contrary to you in any way she performed to take root in our lives. Father, I'm asking this morning in the name of Jesus Christ and by the power of that name that you would set your hands upon us in this moment as we close and as we go to our homes. Father, might your Holy Spirit just fill us and empower and, and drive us even closer and closer with you. Father, in these days of turmoil, in these days of trouble, in these days, Father, when the world seems lost and, and, and Father, involved in just the chaos of isolation, Lord, let your church live. Let your church be alive. Let your church be on fire. Let your church take your presence into the darkest darkest parts of society. (laughs) Holy Spirit. Resurrection power. Come in to our lives. Come in to our lives and fill and renew and mend the fractures and wash away the mock and the mire. Those who struggle with pornography, Lord, set them free. Those who struggle with alcohol or drugs, set them free. Those who struggle with bitterness or, or shame or pain from the past, set them free and fill them, Lord, with all that you are. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask this. Yes, Lord, for your glory. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we receive this from your hand. Yes, Lord. Father, in Jesus' name.